let me start today by asking a question. What's weighing you down? Another way to think about that question might be, what's going through your mind all day long? Or what are you just really tired of right now? You know, for some of us, the answer to that question might be right there on the tip of our tongues. For other people, we haven't even stopped to think about that. I think about kids who just want to be back with their friends again. I think about high school students who really are missing out on prom and graduation during this season. I think of college students who were taken away from campus so quickly and are now spending even more time at home. I think of young adults who are alone during this season and experiencing a lot of loneliness. I think of married folks with kids during this season who really honestly forget what isolation was about and and want just a couple of moments of it. I think of grandparents who just want to hug their grandkids again. That is even mentioning people who have lost their jobs during this time or people who are sick during this time. This is a season of disappointment and loss, and all of us are feeling it. Let me tell you a little story about disappointment from my life. I love gardening, and it's a way for me to watch things grow. It's also a way for me, hopefully, to eat a couple things in the summertime. And this year, I decided to really kick up my gardening level a notch. And so I got together my kids a few weeks ago, actually several weeks ago now, and I said, we're going to grow some plants right from the seeds. And we bought these pods that we could plant seeds in and have a little greenhouse that goes over it. And so we planted each of these little individual plants together and we watered them and we followed the directions to a T. It was an amazing time together. Let me show you a tomato plant. Here it is. It's beautiful, right? Just look at this. It's gorgeous, green and lush. It's beautiful. Well, this actually isn't one of the tomato plants that I grew, unfortunately. Actually, here is one of the tomato plants that I grew. Um, it does not look green or lush. I just dug this up from the garden this morning because it had given up the ghost. So this is really symbolic of what a lot of us are experiencing right now, this type of disappointment. In the beginning of the year, we had planned things so perfectly. Everything was going to go great. And then we hit this roadblock, and here we are. At least a lot of us are here right now. Well, what does the Bible have to say about that? Thankfully, there's a lot of people in the Bible who have walked through seasons of disappointment, discouragement, and doubt. As a matter of fact, we're going to look at one of those people this morning. We're looking at John the Baptist. He's one of the most celebrated figures in all of the Bible. John the Baptist had one mission in his life, 
And that mission was to prepare the way for the Messiah. And he did a phenomenal job at that one mission. He was so dedicated toward it that he walked around in camel skin for clothes. His diet consisted of locusts and honey. And he baptized people out in the middle of the wilderness. He was an amazing example of someone who knew his calling and fulfilled it to the best that he could. As a matter of fact, Jesus went to John the Baptist and said, I want you to baptize me. And at first, John was very hesitant to do that. But eventually, he said, all right. And that launched Jesus' ministry. John had so many people that were following him, crowds and crowds. But slowly, those people started to follow Jesus. And in this moment of true humility, as some of his disciples asked John the Baptist, what are we going to do about all these people who are leaving? John says these famous lines of his. He, referring to Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. That is true humility. And yet, John the Baptist, despite following everything that he was called to do, found himself in prison. And not just any prison, a dungeon. And he was placed there because he called out some political leaders of the time, their moral failures. And so John is in the middle of this dungeon, and he's thinking, my expectations of the Messiah are so much different than my current reality is. Jesus, if you are the Messiah, I shouldn't be sitting in a prison. As a matter of fact, the Messiah is supposed to start a political revolution that will set our people free. So he sends some disciples to Jesus with a very honest question of Jesus, filled with doubt, disappointment, and discouragement. And how Jesus responds is extremely insightful for us today as well. Let's read it together. It's in Matthew 11, starting in verse 2 through verse 6. It says this, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Now you see, John is filled with doubt and disappointment. I mean, just the one phrase that he uses should stand out to us when he says, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? This person who had sold his whole life to preparing the way for the Messiah approaches Jesus with this doubt. And it's because John has this expectation on, in his mind of what the Messiah will do. And this is all based on prophecies from the Old Testament. And that's why Jesus actually refers back to those prophecies from the Old Testament when he gives John his answer. It's going to be interesting as we walk through this together 
to look at what Jesus repeats and keeps the same and what is different in what Jesus says. Let's look at two prophecies from the Old Testament together. They're both from the book of Isaiah. The first is Isaiah 35, five through six. It says this, then will the eyes of the blind be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap for joy like a deer, the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. A beautiful picture of what the Messiah will do. And then in Isaiah 61.1, this is a passage that Jesus actually quotes about himself and says, this is pointing to me. It says this, the, sovereign, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the good news has appointed, the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. Jesus does this amazing thing in the verses that he quotes for John, what he tells him. If we go back and look at what Jesus says, he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life. But the one thing that Jesus does not say is the captives are set free. It exposes what John is hoping for and also says, this is not gonna be true for you. It's a very real unmet expectation in his life. And so I think the first thing that we can learn from this passage together is disappointment grows in the soil of unmet expectations. Disappointment grows in the soil of unmet expectations. And a lot of us are carrying around those unmet expectations during this season. And some of us didn't even realize what those expectations were until we were face to face with them. But there, that does not make them any the less significant. Let me share one of the biggest ones from my life. My mom was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease uh, several months ago. And so this season has been a very difficult season to walk through because I've been watching her steadily decline in health. And at the same time, I can't be with her physically present. And that weighs on me quite a bit. And so I try to call her regularly and check in. A couple of weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my mom and I said to her, mom, I just wanna let you know that the kids and I are praying for you every night. And she responded in a moment of clarity. I'm so thankful for that. And I have a lot of other people that are praying for me too, but I just don't know why Jesus isn't answering. The woman who taught me how to sing, Jesus Loves Me, was wondering if Jesus really loved her. And in that moment, that weight felt 
like a weight on me too. And I didn't have all the right answers to say. All I could do is sympathize and say, Mom, I know what that's like, and I don't know either. And I felt the weight of the disappointment alongside of her in that moment. Jesus says, blessed is the person who doesn't stumble because of me. That word stumble means you don't put your trust in something that your trust shouldn't be in. In other words, imagine two paths being out in front of you and one path is clear, but the other path is full of boulders and traps. Jesus is saying, blessed is the person who puts their trust in the path that's clear and not the path with boulders and traps. In other words, I am the path that's clear. Put your trust in me. And that's easier said than done for all of us, right? I mean, just think about all the ways that we can put our trust into other things, and especially in the midst of disappointment. When we're in the middle of a disappointing time in our lives, it is so easy to put our trust in other things. I mean, I think about the ways that some of us are tempted, right? Social media being one. We just want to run to that to escape, right? Some of us want to run to alcohol to escape. Some of us run to work. We overwork to prove our worth in existence, and we do that to escape. Some of us, it's just about turning on Netflix and binge-watching as many shows as we possibly can. And all of those things can leave us feeling empty because they don't truly satisfy the deepest needs of our heart. As a matter of fact, that weight that we feel from the disappointment still stays with us. Because here's my second point that we can pick out from this passage. When we don't address our disappointment, it becomes a heavy weight. When we don't address our disappointment, it becomes a heavy weight. See, despite John's doubt of Jesus and his disappointment in Jesus, Jesus does not condemn John for bringing his disappointment and doubt to him. As a matter of fact, what he does is he goes on to preach an entire sermon about John, a really lengthy one. It takes up the whole chapter of Matthew 11. And he, at the very end of that chapter, Jesus goes on to say one of his most famous quotes that many of us know. But if you don't Take that quote in the context of doubt and disappointment, it doesn't carry as much punch as if you're thinking about it in the grand part of the story. Let's read that passage together. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's just a couple words I want to pick out of that passage from what Jesus says. He's inviting us. If we feel weary, the literal translation for that word weary is exhausted. If you're exhausted today, the invitation of Jesus is open. 
That word burdened, literally translated, means anxious. If you're anxious today, Jesus is inviting you. And how many of us can honestly say that we don't feel weary, exhausted, anxious today? The invitation is open from Jesus to us. Jesus goes on to use this analogy of a yoke. And if you were in the culture of the time, that yoke was a a very negative term. And Jesus takes this extremely negative term and he flips it on its head. The, The word yoke in the Old Testament really was used to describe labor and toil and a sense of just hard, oppressive work. But Jesus says, in me, I'm gonna, my yoke is light. It doesn't contain that oppression and that burden to it. The way they used to teach a younger animal how to plow a field is they would pair it with an older animal. So let's take an ox, for example, which was very common to plow a field back in the day. You would have a big piece of wood that was put over the shoulders of both animals as they plowed the field. If the younger animal kept in step with the older animal, all the weight of the, that wood and the plow was on that older animal and they could walk that straight line. But once the younger animal started to veer off and go their own direction, they started to feel the weight and the power of that yoke. And what Jesus is saying is, walking step by step with me, you'll experience a lightness and a freedom that you can't experience any other way. And I believe if if we can understand one thing from this passage, this is what Jesus wants us to get from this passage. The Christian life isn't about proving how strong you are. It's about learning to trust in the strength of Jesus. The Christian life is not about how proving how strong you are. It's about learning to trust in the strength of Jesus. And that's the perfect illustration of the gospel because most every other religion in the world will tell you, you have to do something to get to God. But in Christianity, we're told God has already done it for you. It's just a matter of trusting in what he has already done. As I thought about an illustration for this to close up, Derek Redman came to mind. Now, that's not a name that many of us are familiar with today, but I remember this story from the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Derek Redman was a fantastic athlete out of Great Britain. As a matter of fact, he was one of the favorites to win the 400-meter event. He had gotten through the first two heats of that race and done incredibly well. He had just coasted to victory in both of those. And he got into the third race, the semifinals, and was anticipating another good race. The starting gun went off and he took off like a bolt. And in the, around the first corner, he was right there amongst the leaders. But going into the second turn, right before the second turn, as you're watching this race, Derek Redman grabs a hold of his thigh. He heard a pop, 
And in that moment, his hamstring tore. He fell to the track while everyone else kept running. The race finished and people came out to the track to help Derek Redman off. Well, he had decided that he wanted to finish on his own power. So he got up and he starts hobbling around the track. One labored step after another labored step. And you can see the tears in his eyes as he's grimacing through, just trying to make it. In about 100 meters to go, you can see in the distance his father just bolt onto the track. And in this moment of Olympic history, this dad comes out and he puts his arm around his son as his son is trying desperately to make it to the finish line. And his dad pushes away everybody else that's trying to come on and help. And he is there with his son and his son just begins to sob as he's making his way to the finish line. And the dad is there with him every step of the way, giving his son the strength to finish the race. Derek Redmond's dad is a fantastic example of what Jesus is all about. Many of us today feel like we are hobbling like we can barely put one foot in front of the other. Our disappointments, the burdens that we're carrying feel too heavy for us. But it's Jesus who says, in that moment, I will give you the strength that you need. Because the Christian life is not about proving how strong you are. It's about learning to trust in the strength of Jesus. And so, as we do that, we're able to experience the life that Jesus wants from us, regardless of our circumstances. There's one more verse I want to read for us all as I close. And I hope that you'll listen to these verses in a fresh way and let the words truly sink in, the promise of God sink into your heart. It's from Romans 8, 38 to 39. It says this, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. He's a passionate father that when he sees us hobbling on that track, he will run to be with us. He will run to give us strength so that we can rely on him and not our own power. I pray that that's what you will experience this week, that that's what I will experience, that we will experience turning our troubles, our burdens, the toil, the labor of our lives over to Jesus and letting him take that for us. If you've never made the decision to turn your life over to Jesus, I pray that this will be the day where you can say, Jesus, here is everything. If you've already done that, I pray that in a fresh way, you'll be able to say, Jesus, here are the burdens that I'm carrying with me. Right now, I give them to you. Let's pray together 
and ask Jesus to meet us where we're at today. Lord, I am so thankful for every person who chose to join us today. And I just pray that you will, as they bring the burdens of their heart to you, that you will meet them where they were at. Lord, that you will allow them to experience you running onto the track to put your arm around them and to say, I'm here, I love you. You do not have to do this on your own. I am with you. Jesus, we can't change our circumstances. And honestly, we don't understand them sometimes but we do trust that you are a good and loving God. And we place our faith in you and ask that you would take our burdens today. And we pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen. Have a great rest of your Memorial Day weekend.